loss helps us define our lives. By allowing grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Espinosa-Jones. Get ready to be inspired, create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here's Cheryl Espinosa-Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Espinosa-Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Wen Peets. Wen's the author of Inner Child Healing. She's a coach, mentor, and speaker who helps women become powerful decision makers so they never have to doubt themselves again. As a survivor of childhood trauma and abuse, Wen found herself trying to break free from the negative cycle that left her feeling stuck, helpless, and hopeless. Through a series of life-changing events, she found the courage to embrace her darkest secret and the resilience to turn pain into purpose. In her self-reflective book, Wen greatly encourages all of us to address past childhood trauma wounds and adverse experiences that may cause anyone to doubt their worth. And for more information, information you can go to rebelforaspell.com. Welcome, Wen. Thank you. I'm honored and thrilled to be here with you. Very happy to have the conversation. Um, not the first time that I've had a guest to talk about childhood trauma as a loss, which I think many people who don't live in the lost world like I do, um, limit their sense of grief to uh, someone dying. But of course, anything that that um, flies in the face of what we wish were true is a loss. And uh, you're a very good example of of the necessity of grieving those things. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt to me reading your book, like you started out in the natural way. How do I get away from, you know, how do I have a great life even though, and I, I even got the impression that you might've seen that looking back as a pretty necessary step to your own healing, to live where you were raised and to, start to create a life. But uh, first of all, do you, is that how you see it? And um, what do you think led you to face up to the abuse you experienced as a child when you did? Oh, uh, I think these questions are so brilliant. It was not a conscious decision, Cheryl, to run away so that I may be free of whatever I was unaware that I was dealing with. I believe and I know and I feel that you and I are naturally born with this inner knowing. Eventually, when we are capable, ready and able to deliver our soul's message, returning it into ourselves and actually see it, we get that clarity. So my inner being, my soul, whatever we call it, my inner God, whatever name we have for that inner knowing or intuition, it told me since I was eight years old, go, go, go. You will go. Did I doubt it? Did I question it? Was I skeptical? Believe it or not? No. There's something that was happening since I was a child that I was being pulled towards and away from so that I can find, so that I could find myself. And I didn't, I didn't even know there were elements of 
me that needed healing, or let's say resurrecting, because parts of who we are are already pure. Actually, most of all of who we are are already pure, but something along the way changed that. Some gunk, something was put upon us. And so I discovered that through the running, yes, through the running and through the corporate burnout and through eventually me slowing down and having to be intimate during a vacation period with myself. I couldn't run anywhere else. <laughs> and that's how I, my, my inner being came and said, hey, tap, 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 tap. There are repressed things here. Tap, 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 tap. I'm going to show you. Tap, tap, tap. And slowly, without even realizing, it, it came upon me. I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, repressed memory um, because there's been so much controversy in I'm a therapist in the therapy world, right? Mm -hmm. um, my experience, though, is um, the quality of a repressed memory that comes out is that there is no way you could ever argue with the truth of it. And when I was reading about what you discovered with yourself, it had that quality. It was irrefutable. Other people could deny it, but you couldn't. Is that fair to say? Fair to say. And thank you so much for calling that what it is. And even I may add this, the truth that lives within somebody when they experience whatever, grief, joy, loneliness, sadness, happiness, it's authentic and it's sovereign to them. So that's why I encourage even my clients, people with whom I speak with on a daily basis, there's no need to defend what you know and feel to be true. You lived it. You experienced it. And that is the glory of being you and trusting your inner knowing. And sometimes we are so programmed. Listen, we live in a society, I can speak from the culture that I grew up in, in the Caribbean and the culture here, where we are taught to diminish doubt, shame, um, guilt, ourselves into abandoning <laughs> the truth that's brimming from within us. So repressed memories, they came through. Did I want to witness and see myself in that way? Absolutely not. It's terrifying. It's fearful. And that's how we build the muscle of courage to say, this memory is here for a reason. There's work here. I don't understand it. I want to run away, but it does, it's not, not letting me run away. So I need to say, learn somehow to sit, stay, listen, or find a guide like you. Find a guide like me. Find somebody who you can, whom you can trust, a friend, a cousin, that you can share this with because we are meant to, we are meant to, my cousin Deidre, if she's listening, I invited her to listen today. We are meant to share and she taught me the power of sharing. Sometimes we need our truths to be witnessed outside ourselves so that we can have somebody help us give it a name and the name is our truth. <laughs> and sometimes it's it's almost the opposite. I, I want you to share a piece of the book about trying to share your truth with your mother um sometimes uh she kind of refuted the truth that involved her she seemed to accept the truth that had to do with your father but we do take that risk when we tell our own truth uh you know a, a, a example in my own life is coming out mm -hmm. um sharing that with my minister dad and my you know holy mom was not easy to get ready to do because it is risky as well it's just riskier the other way uh, for me. And I think, mm -hmm. for you, yes. Yes, uh, it was risky, but I didn't know how else to breathe. 
I was clogged in every way. My spirit, I was clogged in every way. And it, I needed to say what I needed to say, knowing that that sharing was a part of my healing and our collective healing. Because this thing called healing is not, uh, is not unto when alone. The person with whom you share that with you and I empathize with you and your story and your 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 long, long struggles and your celebration of where you are now, it is for them too. There's something within your parents. My parents need to heal, need to witness this truth so that they can unlock their own generational, their own hidden secrets that they hide from themselves. And sometimes we have to be their example of courage and gall and daring. And you did that. And, and that's that's why all of us, I believe, Cheryl, we each hold a key to our collective healing. Everybody's on a healing journey. You don't have to be Cheryl or when or look like Cheryl or look like when or have experienced whatever trauma we have experienced. We all need each other to do that thing that turns a key or, or, or a knob inside of us to say, ah, that part of me, I can deal with that now, maybe. So bravo to you and everyone else who's listening, who's that being inspired. And of course, the stakes are so high right now. We're, that's, mm -hmm. we're not here to only talk about that today, but it's so true that, uh, from my view, a lot of what's happening in the world has to do has to do with whether people are facing grief or not, whether they're mm -hmm. facing what has hurt. So let's have you share a bit of the book so people can hear your writer voice as well. Could you <laughs> uh, share your converse your conversation with your mother? Sure. I'm reading from page 43, if you have the hard copy of the book. I told my mother about my repressed memories and how they had returned to me. I began to tell my mother about one of the episodes of being sexually abused by my father. About the third sentence in, the shame and self-hate I felt was too much to bear. I was ashamed that I had allowed myself to be abused by my father when I was a child. I was ashamed that I had forgotten my father abused me. I was ashamed that I had hurt my mother by telling her my father had sexually abused me. In that moment, when I was speaking to my mother, I was berating myself with negative self-talk. The air was becoming tight. It was getting too hot in that tiny kitchen. I had to get out of there. I ran out of my apartment bawling. I was in agony. I was falling apart. Even as I write these words, I am overwhelmed with grief. I am transported back to my kitchen with the three beige walls, lemon decorated curtains, dinner table from my auntie Ket, the green and silver linoleum floors, and the four oak cabinets. I can hear the humming fridge. On that day, the humming sounded like helicopter blades. You know, I, I don't know uh, any therapists who don't think a lot about shame. And um, for a child, I feel as if when you don't have any power, uh, there's a weird way 
that shame protects. Because otherwise you'd run screaming down the block, right? Um, You wouldn't be able to control yourself because children are not that great at self-control. But then it has this terrible consequence that when you are old enough and ready enough to share, it it wants to stop you. It thinks you're in danger. It, is that how you look at it? At, at that at that experience of almost not being able to stay in the room. The curious thing, and I'm glad you brought that up. Shame. Shame masks itself in many layers. So sometimes you don't even realize how sneaky shame is. So in that moment when I was with my mother, I don't even know if I recognized all the facets of the things, the gears that were shifting inside of me. So shame had protected me. Shame had protected me by by helping me not to remember my repressed memories until I was able to share it. So yes, it was a protector. It was a protector and we heal at a pace, at a pace that we can handle emotionally, spiritually, energetically. And at that moment, I befriended the shame in a certain way where I said, you know what, but this is me. Uh, I can't keep I can't keep following all the things that people say you shouldn't tell about your parents or the religious upbringing that I had also said parents are your gods and they're always right and this and that. But I said, well, this is me. Somehow I've got to find, this got to be some kind of friendship or some kind of messenger that's tapping and wanting me to easily somehow find a way to see myself. I couldn't run away from who I was anymore because I couldn't, I had to choose that old way or the new, possible new way. And so shame, I said, yeah, you are my protector. You've been my protector. But now I think, yeah, yeah, I've matured enough now emotionally spiritually, where I'm ready to hold your hand rather than be smothered by you. That's that's interesting because, um, you know, I think we could both agree we have childhood parts of us. They're not actual children inside of us, but we have the capability to re-experience everything we've gone through. And um, to me, you, you were re-experiencing something you went through very young, but there was a grown-up part of you that was also taking care, a more mature part of you, as, as, as you're saying, a part that was ready. Yes? Yes. I was ready to be delivered in something other than pain, other than shame. And I developed the courage because I was an, 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 um, an only child for a long time. I've traveled and I've lived in many places by myself. And I did not have the typical parent-daughter uh, relationship where I was very independent anyway. So that helped me too, being, being the one that ran away from my country and did all these things. I knew somehow within me that I could do this. I could be my parent, my friend, when the shame comes up. I could talk to myself in a way somehow that didn't self-abuse myself anymore because I had enough of that. Mm, yeah. I had enough of that, Cheryl. I used to cover the walls of my, 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 anything with a reflection was covered. I couldn't keep running. There was something else I was saying, and I wrote a song about this called Come Back to Me with, during my spiritual awakening in Virginia. There's something that was pulling me forward. 
there's more when there's a little bit more. Don't go backwards, go forwards. Believe what you can't even see. Feel what you can't even feel yet, but know it's available to you. Let's go forward. Come back to me, meaning your own divine self is already precious and worthy and beautiful. But all these things that were put upon you, the junk, the layers, we just got to clean them out slowly, slowly, when you can handle each layer, each layer. And gentleness when you're not ready yet. <laughs> um, I want to talk more about this. But right before a break, I want to say that uh, I, I deeply believe in creativity, both as uh, both grief is creative and creative expression helps grief. It's kind of a two way street there. And my favorite is music. So when you were talking about, um, you know, writing songs, there's a way that music really does get to another part of the brain, like they say. And it just seemed to me uh, like that was, you know, warm water kind of drenching you. And it's much easier, isn't it, than to explain. It's easier to express. Oh, yeah. uh, so let's talk more about that when we get get back from our break. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find when Pete's, go to rebelforaspell.com. Be back soon. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine Miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Espinosa Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, Please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to goodgriefwithcheryl at gmail.com. Now, 
back to good grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Espinosa Jones, and I've been talking with Wen Peets about her book, Inner Child Healing. And before the break, we were I, I was initiating a conversation about uh grief healing, trauma healing, and creativity. Um uh, the what the way that works for a given person is the one they will probably recommend. But but I I really do believe that it's anything that moves up from the soul of the person that they just um, need. So uh, I write, but I don't write in deep grief. I write later. <laughs> um, so I I I appreciated this um, this way that you found music to help you get it out help you uh you you tell me what it did for you i i have my sense from reading the book but how would you describe that mm. i've always thought music was my first language or my second language not not spoken word not english i've i studied classical piano as a kid and i always was musical always writing songs my piano my keyboard whatever so it was that form of expression is very natural for me, so uh, it was. It made sense that for me to connect with my truth or my soul, or with a gentleness that I couldn't articulate or find in my mirror, that I it, it came through. And a lot of my songs come through in my sleep. We're talking full orchestration, everything, everything, mm -hmm. lyrics, everything. Sometimes I clean up. Yeah, so it's not me. It's just it's there, and we all have gifts. Doesn't have to, does not have to be music. Could be just empathy. Could be listening, whatever. So it's not me. There's, there's that soul inside of me was helping me to uncover the parents, the friend that was underneath that helped me to connect with emotions that I thought were hate. To me, shame is not hate. Fear is not hate. They're parts of your essence that are sacred messengers of something that you may not know is going to help you get clear and help you cross that clarity bridge, I call it, to your becoming. So we have been programmed to fear our truth that's brimming because if you touch it, you're going to burn your hand and who wants to burn their hand? Hey, maybe that burning of the hand or that heat that you're feeling innovates you or opens you in a way to feel another way, to think another way, to see, oh, the heat and the and the feeling of the heat is good so that I can, two things, I can use that heat when I'm feeling cold for some other thing, whatever it is, that's literal translation, or this is really is not heat, it's not, it's not something to be fearful about, it's something that I can uncover slowly when I'm ready to, to get to the truth underneath. So my truth underneath was, you are already beautiful as you are. Somebody else's shame is is the gonk that's on top of your truth, your divinity, your majesty, whatever we call ourselves, your brilliance. And so we move that over. So when I tap into music, I tap into the feeling. I believe our emotions are the real truth of our becoming. And sometimes our emotions are too much, too intense. We think they're fearful and, 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 and unhelpful, unloving, but really they're just different forms of messenger. Joy and fear, to me, they're doing the same job helping us get closer to ourselves. In the same aspect, 
You know, I, I, I have to say what changed the most in the 10 years of my wife's illness before she mm. died was my sense that my internal territory was a safe place. No matter what I was going through or feeling, it was fine. That wasn't the threat. Um, and I really don't think I had that in the same way. I had done therapy. I'd gotten a little better at having feelings and and such. But really considering that that internal space is completely safe, that that came <laughs> at the time when it felt the most unsafe to me, mm. um, when it felt the most threatening, when I was the most fearful. But there wasn't any, as you said earlier, nowhere to go but with it, right? Mm-hmm. Out. Um, yes. I got that sure. I read that that you have that same respect for the interior landscape that you have in you, that Mm -hmm. there's nothing threatening there. Yes, but that took such a, let's call it a loving slow dance. It took a loving slow dance of acceptance, of, of, of really connecting to myself and appreciating let's call it the journey. This is who I am. This is how you and I were made. And that safety is something I did not feel from the sponsors of my life, shall we say that, parents, environment, society, culture. I did not get that. So somehow I had to build that. Whatever safety means for you, the listeners, whatever that looks like, It's I call it the divine homecoming. How can I create this coming back to that safety, that muscle, that relaxed, stretched out, billowy calm that helps me sleep at night. I suffered from insomnia until in my 30s. How how can I tap into that? We have to take responsibility at some point for the things that we want to experience. And that's what the emotions help you to uncover. The blame, the shame, the guilt, all that is layer after layer after layer. And finally you say, ah, I just want to come home. There's me under all that. Exactly. And I matter. How I feel matter. And I can experience this calm. But it's the whole journey. Some of us, and I know this was me, we just want to get and feel the thing right now and that's it. It does not necessarily work like that. There's joy, as I told you about that song I'm writing, joy in your becoming, joy in your journey. And there's something about not rejecting any of it that, that, favors the joy in my in my uh from my point of view absolutely so i i really like this this next passage i'm going to ask you to read because it's so um physical uh and and of course this process we're talking about goes on in our bodies we may describe them with our minds but the truth lives in the body doesn't it Absolutely. Uh, share, share that. Uh, I love this idea of different parts of yourself having different colors and um, different representations. That that touches me. Could you could you share some of that? Sure, happy to. For anybody who's following along with the book, reading reading from page one thirty five to one thirty six of the hard copy. The blue parts of me represented grief and sadness, the whipped girl, the girl disconnected, 
who hurt her cousin Deidre. Orange parts reflected joy, lightness, and playfulness. It has always been my favorite color. I have always had an acute awareness of color and the emotions they evoke. It was almost as if I could taste them. My sensitivity to colors stemmed from my childhood in St. Kitts. I believe the sensitivity was developed from the color of the clothes my father wore when he sexually abused me. Holly mangoes from nearby Nevis, my favorite mangoes, also exploded with the juiciest plump orange goodness with every bite. Pumpkins were orange on the inside. I loved pumpkin in my soup with the steamed fish my mother used to make. Ripe papayas or papayas were orange on the insides too. There were no blue fruits in my country. I had to accept both the blue and the orange children. I learned I had to spend as much time loving up the blue children through my self-work. I had to love my blue children with my whole heart. I had to love them unconditionally if I wanted to heal myself. I call them my children because that is who they are. They were with me when I was a child and now an adult. I am an adult, but those parts of me are still children developing. Those parts of me that were stuck at the age I was abused. They were the children stuck in my repressed memories. All they have ever known is shame, pain, and hate. They need me as much as I need them. I am their mother. It is my responsibility to heal them. I love them equally. Come into my heart. I had to accept all that has made me when. I've been, uh, I, I have this habit of lingering with a phrase that comes to my mind and then I keep hearing it repeated for a period of time and then it turns into something else. My current fra phrase is, you make sense. Um, so I hear that in what you just shared, that you have to come from the point of view that all of it makes sense within the context you thought it right and that there's no enemy there's misinterpretation sometimes um there of course kids are terrible interpreters <laughs> but but it's it's not wrong it's not wrong and i believe everything is an interpretation our perceptions of our inner world our outer world it's a perception through the lens of our maybe visible senses, the senses we know about, and it's also soul knowing. For me to have healed, I had to get close to the feeling of what it would feel like to be peaceful and calm and relaxed. It was not available for me. So my interpretation of that came through music classical music or whatever we may listen to people prefer, maybe it's gospel music, whatever. 
what, what, what can I get close to that feeling that I never felt before, that love, whatever? For me, the closest thing was music and what it did for me. So my interpretation, again, came through emotions and accepting them. So coming back to your point, you make sense meaning. I had to accept this is my life. This is who I am. These are all the parts. This is my configuration. This is my architecture. And somewhere in here, something was deposited in me with a clarity if I just be a little bit braver to accept and see me. So let me take off the, the, the towel of the, of the mirror and see me instead of the vision of my father whom I look like. Just see me. This is who I am. I'm not going to beat up myself or diminish myself. This is who I am. And I make sense. I may not understand everything now, but if I accept that something in here is leading me closer, 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 then I remove the shackles of the programming, of the conditioning, and say, I am going to make sense to me eventually if I believe the feeling that's brewing, that's brimming, that I can elevate higher than the shame, higher than the fear. And that's what I did. I sat and said to myself, when? Imagine what it would be like to sleep for more than an hour in the night. Imagine mm. what it would feel like to feel good about yourself, to smile. I used to practice smiling, Cheryl. I never used to smile. And one day I said, let me try it on. My face looked contorted, but I said, come on, let's try it another day and another day. And what would it feel like to just twirl and be free? And I twirled and I'm playful right now. My character is totally going back to where I'm meant to be. I'm, I had to imagine the feeling. So that's why I believe our emotions, fear, shame, joy, happiness, are the gateway to our deliverance. And why would we expect that something we haven't experienced, we already know how to do? Uh, so you're talking about learning to smile. I'm sure you had, along the lines, some natural smiling, you know, maybe with the papaya or something, but not that full-on, I adore you kind of smile. You had to learn how to do that. I remember once I had a client who was a, a cello uh, teacher. <laughs> she wasn't coming to therapy about that. Uh, and she said, why is this such hard work? Why is it so hard? And I said, okay, if you have a student and they've been taught wrong <laughs> and they come to a lesson to you and you know that it has to be corrected for them to really be able to play as well as they possibly can, is it easy? She was like, oh, God, it's so difficult. You know I, mean? I said, it's like that. But we don't yeah. think of our psychology that way, that it's hard work to rewrite ourselves and learn new things and come from a different perspective. I, I think anyone who reads your book knows that you did the hard work. Yes, I did. And I have to say, at some point along the journey, I do not know exactly when, I decided, you know, I'm going to just play. Like I'm learning the scales for the first time. I sucked at it. Sucked. I was the worst in my piano teacher grades or whatever grades I were. But it didn't matter because I said, uh, there's something about here that's fun. Let me find a way to relearn and remap myself in a way that feels like it's not pressure. It's not must do this because therapist says this or that. 
So I said, this is how I learn myself. I'm going to decide what that looks like. I'm going to define, divine what that looks like. And that's, that's what helped me. And that may help some of us who may step into therapy or step into coaching with me or another person reading a book and may think, oh, this is hard work. I can't do it. I can't do it. Hey, what about thinking of it this way? You're welcoming yourself into joy. Look at it that way. You're welcoming yourself into celebration. You're just preparing the party favors right now. And then you're going to bake the cake. Because if we attach a negative emotion onto the thing that we need to save us, to help us elevate, then we will feel and build and reprogram that negative emotion instead of saying, hey, I'm becoming joy. I'm becoming joy. I'm having fun. I'm playing. I, I feel there's room for that. After the very first moments there's all the room in the world for that in grief mm -hmm. uh, once you're you actually allow it i was very shocked by how much joy i felt in grief but that was from all the practice of of sitting with negative emotion heavy emotion and not judging it not thinking i needed to improve anything just have the feeling mm -hmm. <laughs> isn't that something Let's go to the second break and we'll come back and talk more about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, listeners, you can go to goodgriefwithcheryl.com, the Good Grief host page. Hey, there's a link to my novel on my on my host page at Voice America. And to find when Pete's, go to rebelforaspell.com. Back soon. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Espinosa-Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, Please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to goodgriefwithcheryl at gmail.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Wen Peets about her book, Inner Child Healing. And um, so that I don't forget to say it later, you were telling me during the break that uh, you'll be having your book actually lands tomorrow. How lucky am I to be talking to you the day before in all of that excitement? Um, and, uh, you know, I should probably mention the the date. What is the date today? The 10th. January 11th, tomorrow. January 11th. Um, because people listen so much f- far after the fact, but you have an event coming up to launch the book virtually. So if people want to go have more of one Pete's and her book, um, go to her Instagram, rebel for a spell, yes. rebel for a spell, and um, all the details will be on there. So that's exciting. Um, are you having any trouble containing yourself from the excitement of it? Absolutely. I know I've read, I've written a book you know, <laughs> when you finish and there it is in the world. You know, I, have, I was t- telling my honey last night, I said, this book, I, I think when I'm, I write music, I'm more, I'm really humbled and I get quiet inside like this reverence that this gift I was able to uncover with the book. I am almost like, I am grateful to give it and share it with everyone, but I'm not doing jumping jacks on the inside. I feel like, yeah, this is a thing that I needed to say and share. And, and it's wonderful to share. And I'm very calm about it on the inside. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to meet everybody and have the party and all that stuff, but it's, it's not a nervousness or an overzealousness. It's just really calm of knowing that this, is me being my fullest, meest self and sharing and communicating in a way and offering something to the world that many souls may need and they're sharing with me, returning it back to me with their messages of hope and their transformation. And it's wonderful to see and witness us all and celebrate. So it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to be in a place where you or me, whomever listening, you can actually become the joy that you imagined, the peace you imagined. So that's where I am right now, being fully embodied in the gratitude and the appreciation of all the collective people that have helped me come to this place, including you and all the people that are on the outside that I've not met and will be meeting, but the collective energy that's helping us land and be stable in this knowing that this work is bigger than you bigger than me it's for all of us and we're all just trying to play our part aren't we mm-hmm. I, I think you and i have that in common what is my part i'm gonna play my part um but you know i i'm working on a, a memoir a bit right now and i know in order to write it uh you have to go back to those places it's not the same as the f- first time you went through it but your book feels very authentic to me. You didn't you didn't shortcut the actual experience that you had um trying to heal, trying to find yourself. And I I know that can also be painful. Um but I wonder how much how big a thing that was for you or was it more uh 
celebratory, like, wow, look what I went through and here I am, you know, or some of both maybe. Mm, I love this question. I wrote the book in about three weeks in December 2021. I needed to get it out. I took vacation from my corporate job I had at the time and I said, it's going to come out. Sit here, plant your butt in this chair and get it out. And you're absolutely correct. There was some self-witnessing and reflecting that was so illuminating and so many sequence of events that were happening that I couldn't see clearly. I saw so clearly, Mm -hmm. ah, this is why that happened. And that's why I behaved or she behaved a certain way. Because when with my repressed memories, there were certain parts of myself age-wise I can't remember. I can't, I don't access. But in between the gaps, there's a layer of symmetry or simultaneous things that were happening. I said, ah, all of that was happening. That's why that happened 10 years later. And in those moments, Cheryl, this was the muscle that I really built and chose to build. In writing the book, what whomever is writing a memoir and doing your own self-reflection, the negative emotions can be so cunning and sneaky and seductive that they want you to go hug yourself with that self-pity, shame, and self-abandonment. In those moments where those feelings came up for me, I said, no, 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 no. I'm not retraining myself in those emotions. How can I, how can I morph and how can I continue to transform? I choose to continue to transform. Otherwise we can easily go back and retrain ourselves to be less than. So I did that work and that was a surprising part that I discovered. So I would take moments away from writing. I love swimming and go to the beach, diving, all that stuff. I did that thing. Sometimes we have to borrow from nature the feeling that we cannot conjure in ourselves. Sometimes we have to borrow from music, our relationships, a walk in nature or meditations, the feelings and the emotions we can't conjure. So that's what I did. And then I, when I could handle it, I came back to the book and took another break and came back to the book. <laughs> that quickly if you, if you uh, wrote it in three weeks. Right. Yes, it was already written. Cheryl, there were moments where I sat down at my computer, no thoughts, just a just a conscious, unconscious, subconscious, you call it what you call it, stream of, I was just typing. I was not thinking. That's the inner being, your inner spirit, your soul wants you to get out, wants you to unclog all your pipes, wants you to sing it out to the world, however you express yourself. Yeah, and I was grateful for that. I was grateful for that. May all writers be able to get out of their way enough to have that experience. That's writing my book was was like that. This book mm. is not like that yet. <laughs> it's, it's on its way. It's on its way. It has not arrived yet. Let's share one more piece from the book, if you would. Um, a sweet, a sweet letter to <laughs> beloved little little Wen. Happy to. Page 152 and 153, if you're following along with the hard copy version. Dearest little Wen, you have been my oldest friend, often my only friend. You have been so busy taking care of me, carrying my shame and self-hate inside your small heart. I was scattered in a grown-up wilderness without a map to my home. I am so sorry for, take, for trying to make you be the parents I never had. 
I beg your forgiveness. I did not know I was hurting you and neglecting your true needs. I did not know how to fully trust the flickers you sent me. I do love you so. More than anyone in the world and definitely more than Haagen-Dazs strawberry ice cream. Please forgive me for blaming you for my suffering. You are tired, I know. Tired of taking care of both of us. It's time now to celebrate your generosity. Help me let you do that. You have been waiting so long to live your dreams. It is time to do that now. Unlace your little fingers from mine. It's okay, for you are safe now. You can trust me. No one can hurt you any longer. My beloved, let go of my hand. You can do it. Go on, play with life. Hopscotch with Julie and Deidre. Scurry after that sand crab. Tickle the sole of your baby brother's feet until you are the color of sugar apples. Sing <laughs> a laugh when granny tries to dance like Tina Turner and share, share your story. Share your wide brimmed smile, bringing hope forward into another child's heart. My curious little darling, let go. Go surf your dreams. Those dreams, <laughs> allowing them to, to flower is not, it's, it's scary sometimes uh, to, uh, I, my, my business was recently rebranded and there's a fearful part of it. Like it feels like me, I'm happy, but it's, being that visible to oneself can be a little bit daunting sometimes. <laughs> yes, I I appreciate, it and I'm happy you shared that. And it's 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 such a thing when the familiar becomes unfamiliar. It's such a thing when I believe all these desires that we have, you have, they're there. And I use my desires because I've been on the other side of the of not having any real center and anchor. And I believe the desires that I have. First to find peace, that's like a fuel that I had to learn to trust. It was an energy that I had to learn was the way that I moved forward into the thing. So yes, it takes tremendous courage to be this new somebody <laughs> who you've never met before with all these dreams. But why are you abandoning the thing that's so foolproof, the certainty that's so certainty in quotations, that's so foolproof. But I say one of my dear mentors, she also says, Oh, there's a brilliance within you that cannot be denied. Mm. So that's why your branding maybe was necessary. And that's why I can't help but sing and toil in the streets and sing in a carrot at the supermarket. That's a way of healing and somebody else is going to be inspired. And when we receive that, the, 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 the calm, the gift of our unique brilliance, the way we think and move, we divorce ourselves from the certainty of what we have already been told to believe is the only way we could be. And we say there's something about Cheryl. 
that only Cheryl can offer. She can turn the lock in a certain way. So the rebranding comes, the desire comes. And that's why I learned to trust all my desires and know that that's my blueprint of how I move through the world. They will not be denied. They will not be denied because they help me express and be all that I have finally touched and tapped into. Sacred, sacred. Now, I'm not talking about desires to do and hurt somebody. <laughs> not talking what? about that. It's what? who I am meant, who you are meant to be. That clarity comes through. Um, I'm glad you read a section about haagen strawberry ice cream, <laughs> because it can either be the joy of the taste and the color, and the, or it can be, how do I stuff? Uh, I, I feel you really captured that in the specific detail of what you did. Will <laughs> readers to discover what you did with strawberry ice cream, but it can be both, can't it? So you're talking about how do we express the fullness of who we are in the world in a way that um, nourishes us and therefore nourishes other people. Yes, because fundamentally, I believe, Cheryl, we are always coming back to our divine design, how we were, all the imprints in our soul that were not affected by the societal conditioning and who we should be, our sexual preferences. We have already beautifully made, and sometimes we have to use that haagen to remind us what pleasure feels like, what fun feels like. And eventually when we've had enough of that fling, let's call it, I call it the desire fling, we say, ah, I am meant to be Cheryl's profession. I'm meant to love this person. And we accept all of who we are, our purest expressions. We're going to have to leave it there for today. Thanks so much for being with me. Thank you. Next week, I'll have Jen Soriano, author of Nervous. I've been reading both these books at the same time, and they are two views of such a similar view on trauma. Through deeply moving personal essays, Jen explores her life dealing with severe anxiety, pain, and a series of health challenges and how intergenerational trauma, a code of silence, and early loss contributed. Her goal is to support herself and others to create what she terms a trauma-wise future. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Espinosa-Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Espinosa-Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.